This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. In this winter semester, we'll be sending out a series of shurim on understanding minhagim, different minhagim of Rabbanim uh, in the last uh, couple of generations, be delivered by Harav Benjamin Tavoy. Today's shiur will discuss minhagim of Gedola Yisrael on Pesach. We will use specifically, mostly, the Maser Rav of the Vilna Gaon, Halichos Hagrach of Reb Chaim Brisker, and the Haggadah of Siach Hagrid. That's a Haggadah that Harav Yitzhak Lichtenstein, the grandson of Rav Salvechik, published in Tavshin Nun Hei. And there, he mentioned specifically that he did not write the specific minhagim of Rav Salavechik, but nevertheless, every once in a while in the Haggadah, there's something of minhagim that I thought would be uh, important to bring to the attention of the listeners. But we'll begin with minhagim of the Vilna Gaon. In Maser Rav, number Kuf Ayin Zayin, the custom of the Vilna Gaon was not to say the Haggadah on Shabbos Haggadah. In many, many Sidurim, in fact, in many, many Haggadahs, there is a little comment at a certain point in the Haggadah where it says, Ad Kan Shabbos Haggadah. Because the custom was to say the Haggadah into that place. To this day, this is a minig of many people, the Shabbos Haggadah, at Mincha time, people read the Haggadah. My father-in-law, Rav David Teichman, was very, very meticulous about making sure that he said the Haggadah on Shabbos Haggadah. Apparently, it's a Hasidish minig. The reason for this minig might be to prepare the saying of the Haggadah on Pesach, the same way a person should really look over uh, the parsha of the Chumash before Shabbos, not just because of Shnai Mikra Vechatagum, but he should be aware of what he's going to do. A person perhaps should even think about davening before he gets up to daven. There's an idea of preparing the Haggadah, especially because today people want to say Torah at the Haggadah, they want to say things at the Haggadah, they had to say there, so maybe it's a nice idea to prepare. The Vilna Gaon did not agree with this custom, and he based himself on the Mechilta, which is actually printed in our standard Haggadah. The Haggadah says, Yachal Merosh Chodesh, Tamud Lomar Bayamahu. I would have thought that you should say the Haggadah from Rosh Chodesh. But the Pasuk says, No, Bayamahu. I always wondered why would you have thought you should say the Haggadah from Rosh Chodesh, and you'd have to discuss the idea of the Chodesh HaGeula, the idea of something coming before Pesach that somehow is connected to Pesach in a way that there might have been a Havamina that you should say the Haggadah even earlier. But the bottom line is that we don't say the Haggadah Merosh Chodesh. Now, when I read this, that according to the Grah, 
the words Yachem tell me that you don't say the Haggadah. I never understood it because I thought the, what the Brisa means, Yacham Erosh means I would have thought that you must say the Haggadah Merosh Chodesh. Talmud you don't have to. Bayamahu. But what would be wrong in saying it before Rosh Chodesh? What would be wrong in saying it on Rosh Chodesh? What would be wrong in saying it on Shabbos Haggadah? Why was the Vilna Gaon opposed to the custom? The explanation of Pu'ulat Zachir, uh, the commentary in my uh, edition of the Maiseh Rav, said an interesting idea. He mentioned, Shelo lechadesh betzibur dvarim shelo sarum chachmea Talmud. He did not want to institute a public takana that's not mentioned in Gemara. If a person wants to do it, so he could read the Agada by himself before Pesach, in order to know the text well. Perhaps in the time of the originally, perhaps people really didn't know, didn't have Haggadahs. Maybe they didn't read the Agada, they said the Agada by heart. But today we have Haggadahs, there's no need really to prepare, but if you do want to, the Gaon said you could, according to this interpretation, as long as you don't make it into a public requirement, a mitzvah b'tzibur. If this is true, so if a person on Shabbos goes home from shul and wants to read from the Haggadah in order to fulfill the Hasidic custom, he certainly could do it. The Gaon only just said not to do it b'tzibur. This is the only explanation I've ever seen why the gun was opposed to the minic? I would have, I would have thought that the gun said you don't have to do it, but why would he say not to do it? I really had no explanation until I saw this commentary of Pula Sachya. Let's get closer now to the night of Pesach. The night of Pesach in Shul, there's a custom of saying the Halel Shalem with a bracha. The this custom is mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch. And in general, it, today I would say all over Israel, people say Halel in Shul with a bracha. In Chutzaretz, most people, I think, do not say Halel, but some do say Halel with a bracha. The Shulchan Aruch, Arachayim, Simen, Tavpei, Zayim, says that you say Halel B'tzibur B'ni'ima. Now I found that adverb interesting, that you say Halel B'ni'ima. Normally when you have mitzvahs, it doesn't say to do it, and how to do it, no adverb is usually used. But here there's a word in the in the text of the Shulchan Aruch, you say Halel B'ni'ima, pleasantly. The Ramah says, the Ashkenazi custom, calls the Einanunogim Kain. We don't say halal and shul at all. In the Halicha Sagrach, it mentions that the Reb Chaim followed the custom of the Mechaber. And he quotes the Gemara that's found in Mesech HaSofrim, but it's also found in Erech and Dafyud, that 18 days and one night we say halal. And the halal at night is of course the night of Pesach. 
That's based on the Pasuk, Hashir Yiyalachem, Kalel Kadesh Chag. The night of Yantif requires Shira. And that's referring to the night of Pesach. So when you say Halal that night, it's not the regular Halal of Yantif. It's because Halal, on the miracle, HaKadosh Baruch took us out of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. In the edition of the Haggadah, uh, the edition of this Halicha Sagrach, they have a footnote there that I found very interesting. I don't know the source for it, except that it's found in this book. It says that when Reb Velvel was young in Brisk, when his father Reb Chaim was the Rav of Brisk, when the Sibor got up to Halal Beit Knesset in Shul, the night of Pesach, he and the Pesach of, of Brisk, Reb Simchazelik, would go out of Shul and they would discuss among themselves the halach of saying halal. The revelful felt the halal that you say in the Haggadah is the halal of Yantif. That is the halal in the miracle. Whereas Reb Chaim thought there were two separate halachas. And or you should say it twice. When the tzibur would finish, the revelful and the briskerav and, and Reb Sibchazelik, the Diana Brisk, would come back into Shul. So according to this tradition, Reb Chaim did say Halel or the night of Pesach in Shul, whereas Reb Velvel, the, the son of the Rav, actually did not. I found that a very interesting observation. Uh, but I, again, I said I don't know where the story, the story comes from. In the Siach Agrid of, as I mentioned, Rav Lichtenstein's, Rav Yitzhak Lichtenstein's edition of the Haggadah, quoting his grandfather, the Rav, he mentions this Machlokas, and he said that Rav Moshe said, the Chiyav of Halal, Rav Moshe, of course, is the son of Rav Chaim, the brother of Rav Velvel, the father of the Rav, and Rav Moshe said, the Chiyav of Halal is only... A, as a special halacha b'tzibur. A person, for whatever reason, did not go to shul the night of Pesach, doesn't say halel in marif. And Rav Moshe paskined this way when the Rav one year was ill and couldn't go to shul, that he told him not to say halel in marif, but to say halel, of course, in the seder. And he brought a raya from the Vilna from the Vilna Gaon. In Hilchas Chanukah, which we've mentioned before in our Shiurim on Chanukah, the Mechaber said, you light candles in the shul. And the Gras said, this is similar to the din of saying Halel in shul because of Pirsumenisa. So the, the, the Gras the gra compared the concept of saying Halal in Shul to the concept of Neros Hanukkah in Shul. And he said, basically, it's because of Pirsumenisa. Now, if that's true, Pirsumenisa obviously only applies to a tzibur. With there's no tzibur there, you wouldn't light candles. We even discussed in our Shiurim and Hanukkah what constitutes a tzibur for the purpose of lighting candles. Uh, we talked about uh, the Lubavitcher custom of lighting candles even in a place which is not a shul. 
But we said you have to, according to the way the the, the briskers understood it, you have to have the concept kavatzibur. So if that would be true, it would be an interesting phenomena that to say that tzibur is chayev, but the yachid is not chayev. If that would be true, when Revelva left the shul, it didn't necessarily mean that he would disagree with the concept of saying halon shul. He, as a yachid, could walk out. It's not a chiyav hayachid. Once he walked out, he's not chayef. The tzibur, as a tzibur, is chayef. And, but maybe he felt there's no halacha to be part of the tzibur. So, exactly what happened, I said before, all I know is from the version that's quoted in the Halicha Sagrach, the Revelvel did walk out of Shul. To explain why he walked out of Shul, a person could say that he disagreed with the principle and said that he felt there's no halacha. We passed it like the Ramah, that you don't say halal in Shul at all. Or we could suggest another alternative, that even if he agreed that you should say halal in Shul, he felt it's only a chiv atzibur, not a chiv ayachid, and therefore he felt that in his particular case it would be better to go outside and talk to Reb, Reb, to Reb Simcha Zelig in learning, talk Torah at that time, where the tzibur would fulfill their obligation, he not, was not involved in that obligation at all. Let's begin now some of the customs of the night of Pesach in the house. Already we're getting up to the Seder. In the Siach Hagrid, they have a very interesting uh, reason for the custom of wearing a kittel at the night of Pesach. Many, many books have discussed the issue, why is there a custom to wear a kittel the night of, the night of Pesach? There are a number of important books which explain all the customs, the various customs of Pesach. I have not used these svarim for this particular shiur, mostly because I want to deal with the minhagim of Rabbi Seinu that I've been dealing with generally during the year. But in this siach agreed, he mentions that there's a custom of wearing a kettle, and he quotes the reason for for it of the nitziv that do not think that the idea of a kittel is because it's it's used for tachrichim. He says that would not be appropriate for the night of Pesach when we're in ju- just a happy, jubilant mood to even think of Big Day Mesim. He says the reason would be because it's a zeicha for Kabin Pesach. And at Kabin Pesach, you would eat on a shulchan hamelech and you would have to wear something special for eating a carbon Pesach, and Beget Pishtan Lavan is considered a, a Beget Chashuv. Somehow, although today we might not consider it that way, originally the concept of wearing Beget Pishtan Lavan would be considered Chashuv. Remember it says, Vayal Beisoso Bigdeshesh. So therefore, Zeichel Mikdash, we would wear a kettle, and according to this explanation, everybody who partakes in the Seder, should wear a kittel. However, Reb Moshe said a different reason. Reb Moshe Salavechik said, the reason we wear a kittel the night of Pesach is to do a shinui, to act in an unusual manner, to keep the children curious, to ask questions. 
There are many other customs that we do the night of Pesach that are based on this idea that we want to keep the children awake, inquisitive, and they should ask questions about the Seder. And one of them is we wear a different garment than we would wear all year round, and the children should come and ask, Abba, why are you wearing a kittel for this particular occasion? Many other customs, as I said, are also based on this ca- the idea of that children should ask. I always had a problem. What do you answer them? If the reason to do it is only to, that the children should ask, is it fair to do something that has no good answer? What does one answer the children when they say, Tata, why do you wear a kittle? Oh, I'm glad you asked the question. Thank you very much. We'll think about it another time. But nevertheless, this is the opinion that was brought in the Haggadah, Siach Hagrid. Before the Seder began, there was another custom of the Biskarov that's mentioned in a lot of various sources. The Minag is mentioned in the Siach Hagrid, in the Halichas Hagrach, and I, I've seen this in many, many Svarim in the Emek Bracha of Rav Ari Pamaranchik quotes it. The minig was that the night of Pesach, Reb Chaim would begin the Seder by saying that tonight we're about to fulfill the mitzvah of Sipo Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and he would delineate the distinction between the mitzvah of Sipo Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which occurs the night of Pesach, and the mitzvah of Zechiras Mitzrayim, which is every day of the year. We paskin. We pass in Arminic is that we say twice a day, morning and night. So if a person wanted to be cute, he could ask the question, why is this night different than any other night? Every night of the year we have to talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Tonight also. So Reb Chaim used to explain certain distinctions between the mitzvah of Zechira and Sipur. I actually could continue on this topic for another few hours. Because although it's stated in the Tzvarim that I've seen, three or four distinctions, I think there are many more than three or four. But one of them would be that Zechiras Mitzrayim is a mitzvah to mention Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And once you fulfilled the mention, you mention Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you fulfill the obligation. Whereas Sipur, Sipurim are stories. All children know that a long story is better than a short story. So by Zechiras Mitzrayim, Length would not make a major difference. But by Sipriyat Mitzrayim, we would say, It is a, it's, it's not just, uh, okay, you fulfill more of the mitzvah. A story is told in a certain way. Zechiriyat is enough to just mention, I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, took me or took us out of Mitzrayim, took our fathers out of Mitzrayim. But, the night of Pesach, that's not enough. You have to tell a story. A story has a whole protocol of how to tell the story. 
We know when we were children, stories generally start with a once upon a time, and generally end with a, and they lived happily ever after. This protocol of telling a story is actually halacha, the night of Pesach. Poschim b'gnus, umisayim b'shevach. We begin the story with gnus, with a shame, disgrace, of what happened once upon a time. And we end the story with a praise. The praise would probably be something they lived happily ever after. It's not within the time limits of this particular shiur to mention the machlokas and the gemara, what is poschim b'gnus, to explain a long dis- dis- discussion what would be the Mesayimim B'Shevach. But nevertheless, it is noteworthy that the night of Pesach, this is one of the distinctions between Sipur and Zechira. Another distinction would be that Zechira basically, I tell myself. Whereas I mention that's enough. Whereas Sipur, I have to tell someone else. We all know that the Torah relates to four different types of children that you tell. You tell other people the story. Zechira, I don't tell anybody. I can tell myself. In fact, there is a halachic dis- distinction between the mitzvah of Sipur and Zechira. At least, there might be a major halachic distinction that could be explained based on this concept. There's a tremendous argument in the Gemara, a big machlokas, if we pass in Hira Kedibur Dami or Hira Lav Kedibur Dami. A person who thinks something is as, as if he articulated it, or no, he didn't say it, he just thought it. And when the Torah tells me to say something, is it enough to think it? Because hero kadibur dami? Or, no, must he actually verbalize it because hero lav kadibur dami? So they tell a story that one time, one of the great rabbanim asked his son, who was a child prodigy, he said, how do we pass it? Hero kadibur dami or lav kadibur dami? And the son said, for certain things, we pass in the hero kadibur dami. You don't need not say the words, it's enough to think it. So the father turned to him and said, if that's true, then I'd like to think of a question to you. And closed his eyes, thought for a moment, and said, good, I just asked you a question. Since hero kadibur dami, you now heard the question, could you give me the answer? The child looked at his father and said, I just did. I thought of the answer. And here are Kadibur Dami, therefore I answered your question. Now the story is cute, but there's an idea behind the story. And the idea behind the story is that here are Kadibur Dami can only be when I, there's a mitzvah to do, between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, let's say I have to say, let's say for the sake of discussion, I have to say, I have to bench. So normally you have to say the words. Would you say that hero kadibur dami? It's as if I said the words. Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows what I'm thinking. Hakadosh Baruch Hu can read my mind, and therefore he knows that I benched, whether I said or did not say, whether I verbalized or not verbalized. Hakadosh Baruch Hu could say hero kadibur dami, but if I'm conversing with you, I can't just say, well, let's say we have a few more minutes in this shiur. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to be quiet, and I'd like you to pay attention to the empty tape and think, understand of what I meant. Obviously, in conversation, in communication, you can say, you cannot say that here are Kadibur Dami. So the, that's another difference between Sipur and Zechira. There are many more dif- distinctions between Sipur and Zechira. 
And obviously, we won't go into all of them now, but I did want to mention that Reb Chaim, apparently every year, and it's a minute that I feel is worthy of emulating, I do it in my house, but in a very brief manner, that we get up to explain that tonight we're going to fulfill the mitzvah of a sipur, and I delineate some of the points where we have to be careful about sipur as opposed to just regular zechira. Besides the ones I mentioned, there are others that I mention in my house on the night of Pesach, and we've been doing it for so many years that my family, most of my guests, always recognize the distinctions without much elaboration, but we point this out. Let's continue with the actual Seder. For Karpas, the custom of most people is to take some sort of a vegetable, eat less than a kazayis, make a bracha, we wash before the karpas, and we do not eat a shiur, and we do not make a bracha achrona. The gom had a different custom. The custom of the gom was that he would take this vegetable, make a bari priyadama, and eat a kazayas. He did not make a bracha achrona afterwards, but nevertheless, he made a... he ate a kazayas. He also washed netilas yodayim for karpas, but he made a bracha. When I was a child, I read a story about the gaon. Today I don't recall where I read the story. They said when the gaon was young and not well known, he traveled around Europe as was the custom of certain gadolim that it was like they went on a type of a galus. They went from different places. So they say that he was once, once in a community where he was unknown and as was the custom in Europe, they saw a stranger in town, they asked him, invited him for Pesach. He insisted, or requested, I don't know how politely, but he did request that he should be a guest of the Rav of the community for Pesach. The Rav acquiesced to this request, and the Gra was at the house of this Rav. But the Gra asked the Rav, would he mind if he set up his own ka'ara? I haven't mentioned the difference in setting up the ka'aras between the Gon and other people, the Ari and other people. But he asked if he would be able to follow his own customs, sit a little differently, act a little differently than other people. And among the things that we that they saw is what I just said. He washed the karpas, made a bracha, and ate a kazayas of karpas. I the way I read the story, the way I recall the story, was that certain people in the community were very upset. The, the the Rav was the Rav of the town. Comes this young fellow and acts in a way differently than other people. It seemed very strange. And people were a little bit upset. At the Seder itself, nothing else changed that situation except other customs that we, some of them we might mention where the gun acted differently than other people. But 
the Rav of the community later on, either the next day or whatever, engaged in a Torah conversation with the Vilna Gaon and then realized to whom he was speaking. Once he realized that this was the person who later was known as the Vilna Gaon, the Rav quieted down the controversy about the behavior of the Vagon and said, he's such a Tamit Chacham, let him do his own opinions. But why did the, why did the, these customs come about? So, the first custom of washing for Davash Tibula Bemashke is in general a question. Today, the custom is not to wash for Davash Tibula Bemashke. Some food that we dip in a liquid, even though once upon a time there was a custom to wash for it, today we don't have that custom. In fact, if if I remember correctly, it's the Taz, one of the commentaries in the Shulchan Aruch, who asked the question again in a cute manner. We do not wash for Bemashke. Why is it night of Pesach that we do? And one of the explanations is that the children should ask the question, as I pointed out before, that I'd like to know the answer. Other people have suggested other answers, why we wash for Davashati Bula Bemashke. The Netziv has an interesting explanation in his Haggadah. But the Gon, in general, said he would wash for Davashati Bula Bemashke with a bracha, so the night of Pesach for him was not unusual, it was not different than any other night. Anytime he would eat something, he would follow the original halacha of washing for but the question would be then, why did he eat a kezayis of mora? The Raman passed that way. In Perikhes, halacha beis, the Raman says, maschil umavarech v'lokech yerek the Ram Paskin is clear that you should eat Kazayas. Now, why does the Ram say you need a Kazayas? So, in the Haggadah of the Siach Hagrid, he explained that once you make a bracha, Birchas Hananin, on the food, the halacha is that you should eat an achila. If you would not eat a, a kazayas, then it's not a din of achila. Other people have argued that the whole reason we eat karpas is only that, again, the children should ask questions. If that would be true, it's not a real din in Achila. It's a din in Kedeshi Shaluatinakos. So why, why should you have to eat a Kazayas? So here, the general custom is not to eat a Kazayas in order to avert the problem of a Bracha Achrona. But according to the Gaon, the custom was to eat a Kazayas and not make a Bracha Achrona anyway.